I'm Hillary. And I'm Sandra. Coming up on the Quick and the Dirty podcast, we're going to talk about sex and pain, which in my opinion is totally tragic. And uh, we're going to talk to a physiotherapist who's going to delve into the world of sex and pain. Yeah, this isn't like the sexy pain for pleasure thing. This is the fact that some women, and I would guess maybe some men, experience pain, which would totally get in the way of the fun. The Quick and the Dirty Podcast with Hillary Welch and Sandra Plagakis. So, Sandra, I am heading back into the world of the working. For the past year, I've been working from home. And uh, I live about an hour and a bit away from the radio station I work at. Staying with a friend for a couple of days a week and the rest of the time I'll be back in our house at home. But I'm curious, will absence actually make the heart grow fonder or hornier? That's what I'm really interested in. So you just want to know if you're going to get laid better. Right. Like, <laughs> wait, do you want, yeah, do you want more more sex or do you just want better sex? Well, I think like everybody, we've been around our partners all the time and you see each other and it kind of loses its luster. And we kind of went from being in a pretty new relationship, like a honeymoon stage, directly into what feels like 10 years of marriage. And so I'm <laughs> wondering if we can bring the sparkle back. Like, are we going to be excited to see each other again? Will we, like, bother dressing nice for each other? Well, right now, what is your, like, attire like at home at, at, in the last year? What's what's your general daily look? Uh, well, leggings and T-shirts, and for him, a pair of shorts and occasionally a shirt. <laughs> Do you dress for dinner, or is that just <laughs> how you live your life now? Uh, that's pretty much how we live our lives. That's how you live your life. So you're you're going to be... First of all, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, 100%, I think everything's going to change a million times because you're going to start seeing people again and we're all going to get our sparkles back. Don't you think? Well, also, I'll have something to talk about other than the commute from the basement to the first floor. (laughs) Like, I'll have lived a life outside of him. Oh, fuck. I'll tell you, Hillary, I cannot, I cannot imagine having to work from home with my spouse constantly like I can't so the like ju- get back to work get back in the studio get back in the sack girl if your mental health improves and it will because you're going to be around people again and we're all you're going to start feeling normal again I think everything's gonna change well and I think it's going to change for the better plus he's going to miss you and that's awesome will he miss me that's the big worry like that's the part that kind of eats at you I had like a little mini freak out and maybe he won't miss me. And we'll realize that moving in together was just a giant mistake. Come on. Are you serious? Oh, well, there's always like a little piece, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, have you talked about it? <laughs> Talking? I do that with you. <laughs> <laughs> Why talk to him about it when you can talk about it on your podcast? <laughs> Why do that, Hillary? I, first of all, I love that you talk to me about your your. <laughs> relationship issues before you even talk to the person you're in the relationship with. (laughs) Who knows? How about this? We just send him this episode and then he can like email you back or something. Yeah, somehow I don't think that'll go over well. (laughs) When you think of sex, the last thing you want to associate with it is pain. But sex and pain is more common than you think. And today we're really excited to welcome a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Please welcome to the Quick and the Dirty podcast, Yolanda Sang. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. 
I'm so happy to be here. It's so disheartening to know that an experience that is supposed to be full of pleasure for some people also comes with trepidation and major pain. So is that why they usually come to see you? Yes. So um, I see a lot of clients for pelvic pain for pelvic floor physio. Um, And and there's other issues that uh, women can have, unfortunately, such as incontinence. um, I know a thing or two about that. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) sneezing is the most terrifying thing that I do. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of things out there, I think, that people aren't aware uh, aware of that women, unfortunately, um, you know, can experience. And and men also um, that can be treated very effectively. Um, And pelvic floor physios uh, don't just do internal work. I mean, we see people pre and postpartum, too, for issues also. Um, and it's quite a holistic sort of approach to treatment, too, is, is what I follow. But pain during intercourse is a big problem. And um, I wanted to raise awareness in terms of its prevalence because a lot of people think pain during intercourse, you know, older women, menopause, but it, it can affect actually a multitude of decades from women, especially young girls. There's actually conditions that cause it. And I think women aren't aware of it, especially like, you know, I'm a mom of two teenagers and that moms should even be aware of it because, you know, as the girls start to explore in that area, you know, there's so much influence with respect to social media. And of course, even when we were growing up and I'm in a different generation, you know, you think sex is exploited in a certain way in movies and cinema. And that's sort of our vision of it. And that's not, as we know, always what it's like. And unfortunately, there's a lot of women who actually suffer legitimate pain and it's not validated and of course they think there's something wrong with them and I mean pelvic floor physio is uh, very very effective in treating a lot of these conditions Um, and I just want women and everybody and men too to realize that you know sometimes there's actually a problem out there but the good thing is the good news is there's actually treatment and it can be very very effectively optimally treated so you can have pain-free enjoyable sex which is what women should have yes we should yes yes. (laughs) now are we talking about medical conditions like you talk about that things can be treated you know are there there for me i'm hearing two different things there's pain during sex uh Mm -hmm. and then pain during sex as a result of a medical condition is that correct um yeah yes so, well, uh, they, they can be two different things, but they, they can actually turn into another thing. So, for example, um, anybody could be anxious about intercourse, you know, new partner, that kind of, and they may not have a condition. You're just stressed for whatever reason, right? And if you hold those muscles tight in that area called the pelvic floor, um, there are muscles in that sort of, I call it the lady part region. And if someone is, if you're having intercourse and having penetration and those muscles are tight, then you can have some pain. And you may not actually have a condition, but if you, for some reason, you can't curb that anxiety or whatever is keeping those muscles tight, it can turn into a condition, if that makes any sense. So you may not have a pre-existing condition that causes it, but it can turn into, I don't know if that, that does that make sense? Um, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. I've got a couple of friends who deal with uh, pelvic pain and pain during intercourse. Some of them are dealing with endometriosis. Yeah. Some of them have tilted pelvises. What kinds of conditions can cause that kind of pain? So endometriosis is an, a, definitely a subset, yes, uh, uh, because of all the scar tissue that gets developed and, you know, in terms of the inside that gets deposited and things that's... Um, 
that can definitely cause pain. There's um, conditions. There's other conditions. There's one that actually is quite prevalent between, um, especially young girls between 20 and 30s, and it's a condition called um, vestibulodynia or provoked. Sometimes people call it provoked local vestibulodynia, or the old word was termed um, vulvar vestibulitis. And okay, that, now in proper English, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so what that is, is basically it's pain during intercourse, but sometimes these women have some sensitivity in the opening of the vagina. There's glands there um, where it could be a bit red and could be sensitive to touch. And because that's so sensitive, and this is not, they don't necessarily have this, but they can. And if, obviously, if you can envision if your opening is really sensitive and anything touches there, you're just going to clench up, right? Um, and then it's going to be even exacerbated in terms of your pain after that. The other symptoms that these women have, not just the sensitivity of the opening, is they have the inside, the pelvic floor muscles are tight too. Um, they don't know the etiology in terms of the cause of this, why they have it though. Um, sometimes I find it does Apparently, 10% of young girls between 20 and 30s have this um, condition, this vestibulodynia or PVD, um, and they don't know why. Um, sometimes it can start, I think, a lot of times when I work with clients, because I spend a lot of time with them, there's some sort of kind of the negative link in terms of that area, um, something that might have happened, um, you know, where basically they don't have a positive association. So I think that positive connection is really important. So let's say, sex is tabooed for some reason, culturally, or they've been influenced by something, or they've had a bad experience. I mean, the obvious link is sexual trauma, but that that can lead to other conditions like vaginismus, which I can talk later on. Um, but there's some sort of, you know, negative connection there um, where they're tightening up and, and then it can snowball into this whole pain cycle of sensitivity, tightness, and then then there's pain because they can't relax those muscles. They're not letting anything going in. It's kind of like a block, it's like a wall that they experience. Uh, And that's triggered, like, I mean, with that sensitivity opening, right? You're going to block everything because you have pain. It's a natural reaction. So you're basically a pussy whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) If we're going to get right down to it. Well, yes, I am. And, you know, I was just saying to my physio this morning that, that, yeah, when it's so gratifying treating women who have this because, it's one of those things, if you have an ankle sprain, as a physio, I was a sports physio for a long time, you know, you can function well, you know, 80% with an ankle sprain, right? It might niggle, you know, might niggle a bit, but, you know, you can still do your stuff. But if you're having sex, you want to be 100% pain-free, right? You don't want to have any kind of, you don't want to think about it that, oh, this hurts, ah, like, you know. And I find, like, as a physio, since I've specialized in this area, and I'm sure a lot of, a lot of other pelvic floor physios can attest to this, it, I find it's not necessarily a fact. Um, treatments like it does take a while to treat but usually my clients um, get discharged completely pain-free and they're so grateful there's so much gratitude involved because it's such a big aspect of our lives and they just their their husbands want to send me flowers it's it's amazing (laughs) it's it's, it's amazing they're like my husband wants to send you flowers and you know I and one time I had this one client and I hadn't seen her and I fell off my clients and I said you know just want to check on you're doing and and she goes, I'm, I'm doing awesome. She said, I said, great, what's happening? And she goes, I had sex five times the other night and I'm doing really well. And I think, oh my God, that's great. That's better than people who, who don't have pain during intercourse. And that's why I didn't see her again. And it's, uh, it's really gratifying. And also, I mean, to fa- the fact that they do so well 
And for women to know out there, like, I mean, if you have any kind of pain during intercourse that doesn't go away, that might not be related to a condition. And menopause is another one of them as you draw that kind of thing. You know, pelvic floor physio can help very, very well. So, yeah. Can I, um, can I just do full disclosure? A few years ago, gosh, I'm going to say it was like mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago now. It was a long time ago. I went to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist because I make a joke about peeing when I sneeze, but I, I do mm-hmm. pee myself when I sneeze. Or if I mm-hmm. laugh too hard, forget about it. I'm done. Uh, right. So I went to see one early days after I had my babies and I found the experience. I did not know. I did not yeah. know what to expect, but I basically <laughs> lay down with my feet in stirrups with a, a a physiotherapist sitting in front of me with two fingers inside of me telling me to clench. And she was able to determine what my muscle strength was, which wasn't as bad as I thought. I had way more muscle in there than I thought. But, and we never did Mm -hmm. see it through Yolanda. We, we (laughs) never did because I was just, I don't, I don't know why I I did. I never went back and they never called me. So then I just sort of forgot about it and moved on. Oh, that's weird that they didn't call you. They were two fingers inside you and they never called you back. You don't think my (laughs) self-esteem took a beating, Hillary? Because it did. Uh, I thought, why (laughs) would all the other ladies get a call back? But she was like, she told me she could help me. And I, you know, and I thought, well, so I started reading about it on my own and I started doing Kegels and I, you know, you forget to do Kegels and. Let me ask you just quickly now. <laughs> so yeah. now that we know what you do, that you're, you know, mm-hmm. two or three knuckles deep, uh, what, <laughs> sorry, I don't know how many knuckles deep you are. I don't I, I need to clarify that one later for you. In Please. Terms of people's, Please. people's visual about what pelvic floor physio is, but we could do that later. Yeah, we could because I never saw it through. I totally never saw it through, so I can't speak yeah. with any authority whatsoever. So let me just okay. talk about Kegels. How sure. effective are Kegels exclusively in the in the use and in the process of rebuilding your muscles mm-hmm. for purposes of dealing with your incontinence. Okay, so uh, let's just say, like first off, that Kegels is not the only recipe for relieving incontinence at all. Um, there's other. It's not just about getting those muscles stronger. It's how how you do them effectively too. There's techniques to it. The other thing is um, you may be tight. So someone who has a tight muscle, if you go and contract it, like for example, if you have a tight calf, you're not going to do calf raises because it's going to make you spasm and your calf's going to be tighter. You're going to massage it out and release it. So, so that it's called a tone. So it's, so it's not tight anymore. And then you go back to strengthening it. So if you think, okay, I'm just going to do Kegels and you're actually on the tight side, you're a tighty, right? It's just going to make you more tight and then your muscle is not going to function properly and you can still have incontinence. And your issue could be that versus weakness. Um, And also another thing is you could have scar tissue that has to be released from who knows what. It's not necessarily from having a baby, Um, although they do wreak havoc to your pelvic floor for sure. Okay, Yolanda, I'm just going to stop you right there. If I have scar tissue in there and it's not from a baby, I pretty think I think I know what it's from. (laughs) Let's not uh, play around here, okay? Well, well, good for you then. That means I got a good pounding, Yolanda. <laughs> you know, I, I get some great stories in the clinic, so I'm not surprised. Jesus. Uh, if she I'll... could narrow it down, she'd like to know so she can brag about it as well. <laughs> Can I just say one thing? I definitely don't have scar tissue, as you were. A hundred percent, I don't. Because uh, I'm not getting one of those at all. Uh, okay. But, so- you know, it's it's often a holistic thing, too. It's not just about Kegels. If you look at 
posture too. So things can affect the pelvic floor. Everything, as you know, as you get older is, is really interconnected. So there could be- It goes to shit is what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. And your hormones, everything, your digestive system can affect your pelvic floor. So if people go online and do Kegels, here's my message, and it doesn't change, then see somebody because there's usually something else going on. And it might not just be your pelvic floor. I look at posture. I look at digestive system. Everything can affect and pull from above. So it's, it's looking at your whole body, too. It's not just your your goods inside and your lady part or men part areas, for sure. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, in terms of Kegel? It, it does, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It just, it just, I remember, I will say this. Um, sorry to interrupt, Hillary, but I will say this. <laughs> uh, I remember her trying to tell me that kind of what you just said about making sure you, you know what a relaxed state is. Yeah. So yeah. like just find because you you want it tense up and keep keep like flexing that muscle inside mm-hmm. of you but it it she was like you have to know what your baseline is your yeah. your your most relaxed state and that's terrifying because it's mm-hmm. like I don't want to be too relaxed um right yeah <laughs> Sandra's almost like I want to come see you and find out if I'm one of the tidies yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh I I don't need her to tell me Hillary I already know I know exactly where I stand in that department sadly I would oh. recommend if you're still having issues um, that you continue seeing a pelvic floor physio because anybody who has what you're complaining of, um, that is my subgroup of clients that actually do really well because they probably just have something that needs to be tweaked, right? Maybe they have some tightness. Maybe they're just not quite doing it. Maybe your posture's off, your hips are off, something. So they are usually the ones who do really well with pelvic floor physio. Usually. I mean, not always. I can't completely right. stereotype that, but. But when but do you know you're in trouble? Like, when do you know it's like, I'm kind of past physio, I need a surgeon? Like, wh- what's the threshold uh, there? Well, uh, prolapse is one. So that is when, unfortunately, your pelvic organs, like your goods, like your bladder, um, your uterus, your rectum. I mean, if you're really bad and I don't see these, your insides can hang out of your vagina. Um, Jesus. And that's not- wow. <laughs> oh, God. That's like, I'm going to be sick. That's awful. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. That's so painful. Yeah, but I, I do see that. And um, when your pelvic organs start to, when you start to see them, usually, I mean, usually you have to have some sur- surgery. So if it's kind of speaking to and you're going, oh, hello, like I see that when you're looking between your legs, it's already set, descended too far. So that level of prolapse, usually you have to have surgery. Pelvic floor physio can still help because you want to get those muscles strong especially like anything before you have surgery, right? You want to get those muscles strong so they know how to pull like afterwards. Um, But usually you'll have to get some sort of surgical intervention. In terms of leaking, um, if you have complete, like lose complete bladder control and you can't hold anything and and I would still go the physio route and that's not changing, um, that's another scenario um, where you may have to have surgery, um, where you just have nothing, nothing left there for whatever reason. And the physio, there could be like really bad muscle tears too, unfortunately, from birth um, that can happen and you where you have decreased nerve supply, those kind of things. Um, so the big thing I find that a lot of, there's a lot of people who have prolapse right now that, and people don't aren't aware of it, especially I see a lot of postpartum. So not just the old, like you think prolapse, okay, older lady and diapers, right? You know, that visual that people give, which is, is not, doesn't help with the terms of influencing what we think is normal in terms of, you know, our lady part, pelvic floor region. But it, it I see a lot of like young girls with it postpartum um, where things are a little loose um, and they should be. And, and you really have to tackle that earlier because you want to keep things 
inside and not hanging out as early as possible. Early yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah. if a woman comes to see you. Yeah. The thing is like, it's the problem with prolapse too. It's, it's sometimes often you don't, it doesn't speak to you. Like if your pelvic floor talks to and goes, okay, like it's heavy, kind of like your back is sore before your disc pops out. I try to compare it like that then that's great. But a lot of people don't, they don't get any awareness down there for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden it's there. It's like, Oh, hello. What is this bulge? Like, what is this thing that I'm wiping? Right. Um, and by then, like you could still have pelvic floor it can help, but, but once, once it's really out there, unfortunately you usually have to have some sort of surgical intervention because it's just in the way. Um, usually it depends on your function too. And, and, uh, a lot okay. of people can I need to change the subject because this okay. is freaking me out. <laughs> you got a good visual there, do you? <laughs> yeah, I need to move on. So if a woman comes to see you <laughs> and and she uh, is seeking some help. Like, what yeah. is that first appointment like? Because it, it seems like okay. Sandra was a little freaked out or unprepared for this appointment. Yeah. So okay. maybe we can prepare people. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to let everybody know that the, the main difference between pelvic floor physio and regular, not regular, conventional physio. So this, let's say you're going to see someone for your ankle sprain is there's usually some type of internal assessment involved. Um, where you're looking at the muscles in the pelvic floor. So down in the pelvic region, I call it the lady parts or men part region. But it's not just looking at that area. So often, I mean, we take a normal history, which a pelvic floor physio does or any physio. And then we look, I look at postural alignment. So I do a lot of external work too. I look at feeling around the abdomen area to see if there's any tightness there can, that can influence. And I really look at your pelvic alignment because the pelvic floor, those muscles attach to that that area of your body um, and things can pull from above or, or below. So I do that. And then what's involved with the internal assessment is yes, you're putting your fingers in, but it's very gentle. And, you know, especially my pain clients, they get a little apprehensive and I, I explain everything like, a, you know, a physio would show you the pelvis and say, Hey, I'm going to do this and show you hopefully what they're doing. And if, you know, and you have full consent to everything, just so you know, and if you're not comfortable, let us know. Right. And if there's any pain, that's how I usually, especially my pain clients, you know, they're already suffering enough. So you want to make sure you want to, you know, you want to basically foster a very warm, comfortable, but where, where they trust you. Right. I mean, you are being intimate, right. You're going inside. So it's, Well, yeah, it's, but like Yolanda, I, yeah. I, you know, there's, I don't think any woman's going to have a problem with a finger being inserted in. We've all gone to the gynecologist mm-hmm. and we all know yeah. how it goes. I was surprised by how long her fingers were inside of me. That yeah. was the real like shocker <laughs> yeah. for me. Well, see, that's the thing. We are, we're not just going in. A, we don't use a speculum, which is great, or I don't. Um, But we are looking at different things than your doctor who goes in and does a pap test, comes out, or or looks to see where the cervix is or whatever they're doing, right? We are going in, examining the muscles on the side, seeing if it's tight. Can you contract? Can you relax? Is there a prolapse? Our examination is definitely more detailed because we're looking at different things than the doctor would, right? Um, so yeah, we are in there a little bit longer than your, you know, your whatever five minute pap. Well, yeah, on my have. last pap, I swear to God, it was, it was in, in and out. out and not a word. Like <laughs> yeah. we didn't even have words. She was like, "All right, I'll see you in three years." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to turn off anybody, but um, you know, with pelvic floor, it's not just urinary issues, right? It's issues in that other side, which can be a little bit more obviously um traumatic for people so 
you know, depending on what you have too, you know, we are going in different orifices of your body, right? So it's, you know, a vag- your fingers might go in vaginally, but if you have some issues fecally and you're leaking, you're not able to hold your poop, right? We're going to go in anally too, well, right? To examine that. Do what you got to do. I get it. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't realize that you no, I didn't realize that you were working both holes. Honestly, I had no idea. Everything in that area. So you know what's really embarrassing when people can't hold their farts, right? Well. So right. So a lot of that is strengthening up the the muscles around that area too. And and the other thing is vaginal farts. So right. So I have to ask because I'm just wondering, and I asked this to the person who gave me a colonoscopy once. How'd you okay. get into butts and vages? Yeah. Like, what made you want to do this? <laughs> Everybody always asks me this. Okay, so, so I'm a, well, not a regular pelvic floor physio. So I was really, before I got into pelvic floor, the specialty, I was working with mom and babies. I, I teach a mom and baby yoga class. So I was very involved with the mom and baby community. And someone actually, how it actually happened was somebody phoned me and said, hey, do you do, you do pelvic floor physio? And, and, and I actually didn't at the time. And I said, well, I kind of can look at your, your muscles. And I knew now that that is completely incorrect. Like you can look at things very indirectly, but really in the end, you need to go inside. And this was like about 14 years ago. And the awareness was really poor back then. And I'm a, I'm a physio. And this is what I tell people. I'm a physio. And I didn't even know anything about it. We didn't really, it's not like an area that we study in school and it still isn't. They may talk about it a bit, but I don't remember them talking about it at all when I went to school. And that's how little awareness there was. And so so anyway, that prompted me to seek um, different courses, and then and I always wanted to specialize, and I love working with women. Women are amazing, as we know. <laughs> like, we just go through so much, regardless of whether we have a baby or not. Like, our bodies go through so many changes, right, with hormones and things like that. And, and I love working with women. When my pregnant women come out, even when, when they come out, when they, when they come in, and I see them, I'm like, and I've had two kids, I'm like, wow, you guys, what happens to our bodies, and how how we thrive afterwards and how strong we are. Like I want to help women. I want them to empower, empower them with all these tools so they can go through all the decades and just, you know, deal with all these things and know what's going on. So that's why I got into it. And I love it. I love working with women. Their babies come in with their newborns. It's, it's just awesome. Um, I, I just love working with women. So that's why I got into it. And that's why I still am doing it. I love it. Do you work with a lot of women who are going through menopause as well? I know you're talking to women who yeah. have babies and so on. But what happens yeah. to uh, the vagina, the vagina uh, women well, yeah. <laughs> during menopause? Asking for a friend. Yeah. So unfortunately, as we go through menopause, you know, we lose our collagen and everything starts to, to basically get loose. Well, it happens in the vaginal area. Can I just say I hate the word loose? <laughs> that <laughs> okay, is, like, Sin, not, is that better? That's the least sexy word I've ever heard. Can we call it less plump? Because I associate plump with being a bad word. So if we call it less plump, it's almost like the vagina goes on a diet. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Less. I, I agree. Less. Loose. Plump. That's right. Less fit. How about less fit? Yes. It's less, less fit. fit. Yes. Yeah. Every, so yes. unfortunately, yes. That and, and the thing with prolapse is, it, like you know, the pelvic floor muscles—they're like a bottom of a purse. So they support things. So. As you age, right, if it becomes less fit and less plump, there's less support to that area. So if you already have something that's kind of not supported well, like your bladder, for instance, and then as you go through menopause, that gets less supported because those tissues are thinning, then things can drop even more. So that's why the preventative thing is really helpful. I was, I'm part of this pelvic floor group and uh, I became a subject. There's an ultrasound 
that this woman has at the University of Ottawa. And she went inside to look at things just we're doing this in service. And she's going, oh, you know, you, your pelvic floor muscles, you're pulling really well because you can see it. It's like an ultrasound, right, machine. And then, but then she goes, but your urethra is thinning. And I'm like, great, like everything else. Because I'm at that, you know, menopausal, premenopausal age. I'm thinking, great, so my urethra, which is the opening of bladder, is getting thin like the rest of my body is starting to get thin. So that's the big thing. And the other thing is, of course, when you hit those perimenopausal, menopausal stages, the big thing is lubricant. Um, you get drier, unfortunately. Um, and that can affect, of course, intercourse, right? Because you get a bit of friction. And again, the skin thins in that area. So when you're rubbing, right? So that cause, causes unpleasant sensations. And then, of course, the libido changes too, which is not my area, especially. But that, of course, it's all encompassing, right? So sex can be definitely um, painful. And, you know, and just even the, the, the less, the, the decreased desire, of doing it right and then you become less lubricated because you don't want to do it um and then it's that snowball effect of that cycle so that's a big thing i'd say with menopause too is pain during intercourse which which can be dealt with a little bit with uh, physiotherapy for sure in terms of you know making sure you're getting the muscle tone and if there's any sensitive areas there's techniques to sort of decrease the sensitivity um you know estrogen can help depending on how bad it is what i've learned is working with women estrogen like it everybody is very it i don't know what determines like hormonal influence on people but some women are really affected by it and other women aren't and that includes like um postpartum women, they can often, they'll say, yeah, my doctor says I have a vagina of a 60-year-old because their estrogen changes too dramatically. And some women can have dramatic influences and pain during intercourse from the fact that their estrogen is so low. So I don't know who, why that happens, but definitely some women are, you know, sexually active and wonderful and they're in their 70s and 80s. And others are like, nope, can't have it anymore. It's that sore. I'm sorry, 70s and 80s and they're getting laid? Yeah. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, they are. Yeah, I'm like, I want your life. My my older women are are full of wisdom. They teach me a lot of things. It's like, okay, this is what I have to look forward to. Okay, it does well, get better. I there's think. the you know, yeah, and you know the irony in in I was actually talking to somebody about uh, how you know women will always say, oh, you know, being a woman kind of sucks sometimes because we have babies, we have all these medical issues surrounding having babies, postpartum, blah yeah. blah blah, and guys have it so easy. And I said, you know what, guys have it easy up until a point. There's a mm-hmm. point where they won't be able to get it up anymore. Yeah. And when they can't get it up, I can still have sex. All yeah. I have to do is lay there like I've been doing the whole time and I can still take it. But they may not and be able to get it. we can also be a little more private, right? Like if you're not lubricating, you yeah. can do your own thing. kind of shimmy away to the bathroom yeah. and take care of that. But Absolutely. if you're popping a pill and you're... Yeah lasting that long everybody knows exactly yeah, and like... i can i can be getting laid right up until five minutes before i die i probably clench up and it would be a bad idea to have anything or anybody inside of me but i'm just saying but a dude so like here's what i want to know this is why i oh got you mentioned the eight the 70 and 80 year olds who are they fucking <laughs> like who are the dudes that they're having sex with because at really some point pump. like guys they like younger women or at least that's my experience <laughs> At one point, the older ones, they die off. And who's your age? Exactly. Group? Who's Who are they having sex? Well, maybe they're not using, maybe they're using toys. Are they using yeah, toys? They, uh, no, but they have, some of them, you're right, they, they, they're they widows, but they have new companions, right? New companions are, I, who are, are pretty, uh, pretty virile. 
80-year-old man. Sandra, yeah. I will say this, yeah. and this is not a lie. This is not a lie. My grandmother died with a 75-year-old boyfriend. She was 90. Oh, my God. Wow. That's hot. <laughs> yeah. That is hot. And she, I, I'll never forget the, the morning she, we heard from the hospital, and she was found in her kitchen naked as a jaybird. <laughs> she fell and broke her hip. <laughs> After an oh evening God. with her lover. No. No. Oh, that's how wow. I want to die. I don't want to be naked as a jaybird. Um, <laughs> I, I would like to be wearing something elegant, and I'd like someone to put a little lip gloss on me before the paramedics <laughs> arrive so I don't look like a heathen. But your grandmother sounded like... <laughs> wow. So the, Okay, can I just talk about the 75-year-old? He could still get it up? Oh, Yeah. My grandmother was spectacular, though. She would bring men on her family vacations, like companions. She was wow, I love wow. it. But men can still get yeah. it up at that age. At what point? What's the average age you'll land? I don't know if this is your uh, expertise or not. That a dude uh, struggles with his um, with erectile dysfunction. You know what? Uh, it's not my expertise, and I don't see a lot of wo- a woman. I don't see a lot of men because of that uh, for that dysfunction. But I mean, from what I hear from my clients, it definitely like 70 up but again don't quote me because that's not my area of specialty but it is an issue you're right with men for of course sure. yes but what um, about men and pain uh, sex and pain for men what what kind of pain are men experiencing yeah well i again i don't see a lot of um men for pain i see more men for incontinence like from prostate surgery unfortunately cancers um and sometimes they 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 have erectile dysfunction because obviously of uh, radiation or their prostate's been removed surgically. Um, so I I don't see a lot of clients because of pain during for for men anyway. Um, so I there there definitely is conditions, but I don't see them for that. Okay, so I, I I don't know I don't know why I was. Yeah, I I I'm not comforted is what I'm trying to say that men don't yeah. have don't, a lot of pain <laughs> during what? sex. I don't think that's much as much of a problem as women um, with pain during intercourse, uh, from what I know. Like I say, their yeah. big issue is being able to get it up later on yeah. in life. Because I know, obviously, uh, men who, uh, their masculinity is tied into their penises. And when mm-hmm. that isn't working properly anymore, uh, everything goes to shit, at, at least mm-hmm. in terms of their self-esteem. So yeah. I, I, under, I get that totally. So I was just very, very curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, just, I just need things to be equal. Because I've always said like... But they are kind of. Like, think about it. When women reach menopause, some women feel that menstruation defines them as a woman, and then they really struggle mentally with that change. The difference is we all know it's coming. Like, and as much as we don't talk about it, it's more known about than men's dysfunction. That's true. So they're like suffering in silence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah. That's that's really comforting. You know, like I hear from my women who are 60s, they say, they say 60s are amazing, especially after when you go through menopause. Um, you know, they often say that they feel more balanced. They don't have those up and downs anymore. Their body, they know what they want in their bodies. Like sex is amazing. Like, you know, especially if their lubrication is good. And the one thing that women have that men don't have are, are the multi-orgasmic, right? Like men don't have that. And 
Kegels does help that, by the way, when you ask about Kegels. Um, it definitely helps you become more aware of your muscles down there. Tell and me how more. You're tightening. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it can heighten your sensation. So that is a bonus of Kegels for sure. It helps. So like if you're a lazy bitch like me and you never do your Kegels, you're giving me a little inspiration. Exactly. It's, it's the pelvic floor for your pee, poop, and sex. There you go. <laughs> The three P's? Uh, the three P's, yep. <laughs> three P's and S. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, Yolanda, how long? I just, uh, in terms of um, re- rehabilitation and seeing mm-hmm. you for physio, let's say I go, let's just say, again, I'm asking for a friend. I went to see you about yeah. um, incontinence, okay? Yeah. And then we work together. How long before you start seeing results? Well, I would say if I don't see anything from probably four to six treatments, um, then I probably would uh, send you somewhere else or we do a different approach. Um, so usually in the first couple of sessions, you should see some sort of change, like usually that you would say, hey, you know, I'm able to control. You might not completely ha- be completely continent, but you'd say, oh, I feel like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I didn't leak when I, when I sneezed that time. I was able to hold it because you have better awareness yeah. of, let's say, how to recruit those muscles to close the opening of the bladder um, and you have better control, that's often the first gains that you'll uh, expect is that you'll have more awareness and then you'll know how to pull those muscles better. So then they'll work more effectively. So I'd say, uh, you know, usually four to six treatments, you should be seeing something. And if not, then either we're missing something or there's something else going on or we need to find a different approach. Um, But your treatment, and then if you're progressing, your treatment can be longer. I'd say average is eight to 12 from what I see. Um, for pain clients, it's more, it's usually more towards eight to 16, I'd say. Incontinence can be like four to eight. I mean, those are just numbers. It's, it's based so much individually on the assessment though, but, but just deck with any, and if, if you don't see a change. Yeah. It sounds like there's a heavy, uh, like it's a physical issue, but beyond that on the pain side, there's a definitely a psychological portion of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a huge one with respect, especially pain during intercourse, definitely. And sometimes it can be very unconscious too. You may not even be aware of it. Um, and it's how you integrate whatever the environmental influences. Um, for example, this one, I want to tell a story. So I had a woman who I saw who came to see me postpartum for something different. I think it was, um, in, let's say it was incontinence. I can't remember. But anyway, we were talking and she said that she didn't realize that she had been abused till she had her baby. So until the baby came out vaginally, um, the, the brain had basically protected her subconsciously and had rooted it so deeply, all the sexual trauma that she had, that she didn't even know consciously that she'd experienced it. So then she was going through counseling, of course. So it's amazing how your, your brain and your body can protect you, right, from things that can affect you. And you don't even realize, okay, I'm tensing up. Why am I tensing up? Oh, okay, I'm reacting because right? It was tabooed when I was younger. Like it could be something like deep rooted that you don't realize that just, you know, that, that is the, the sort of the, the origin of your pain. That's why a lot of people will have psychological counseling too, depending on what's going on. I mean, it's not always rooted psychologically, but definitely having a positive connection will make you just relax. Right. Yeah. If you're free and you're like, woohoo, this is great. Like then, you know, you're, you're, you're not tensing, you're more lubricated, you're into it, you're more relaxed. Just you know, it's more pleasurable in general, right? Well, I hope anybody who's listening right now who has uh, dealt with any pain and it has been 
um, you know, hesitant to go and do something about it. I hope I hope they will now just at least take those first steps to do something about it and know that there is help for not just the pain, but the incontinence and any other issue uh, they might be having. Yolanda, thank you so much, so much oh, for coming so on welcome. the Quick and the Dirty podcast today. Yeah, we love having you. thank you so much. Oh, that's so great. We- and so thank you so much for letting me share all these fun lady parts issues that are out there and just to get the message out that you know you women are amazing so just take care be kind to your bodies take care of them and and if there's stuff going on there just know that you can seek out treatment that's you know just yeah just know that like we're here for you and there's help for you if there's anything going on absolutely here's to a life of enjoyable sex and worry-free sneezing (laughs) (laughs) yes i'll drink to that this episode is over, but the conversation doesn't have to be. Follow Hillary and Sandra on social. Instagram at Hillary on Air, at Sandra Kiss 1053. Twitter at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 1053. And on Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. Got a question? Email Hillary and Sandra, the quick and the dirty at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can download the podcast each week to your mobile device to listen offline. Find The Quick and the Dirty on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts.